Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 9, titled Kafka-esque. Uh, I really like this episode a lot. I think this represents a a sort of turning point uh, in the relationship between Skyler and Walt, specifically. Okay. I guess I say so. I feel like season three we've over we've overused the pivot point analogy, but yeah, you're right. You're right. There's a, there's a moment in here where I think Skylar lets Walt know that she accepts kind of what he's done, hmm. um, it, at least in part. You know, with the the family thing. I I don't know. We'll talk about it more when we get there. But I feel like their relationship takes a little bit of a turn here. I would say the turn it takes would be rather Kafka esque. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I still think it's as cut and dry as you're making it out to be, but sure, we'll have a debate not. here in the middle of the episode. We'll see. All right, so uh, let's start off with a recap. Talk about uh, first scene. It's Los Poyos Hermanos commercial that kind of turns into a montage where we discover how Gus distributes his meth, which is inside of his chicken batter, his fry batter. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, the, do the health and safety inspectors ever come in here? Do they have to tear the shit down every so often and I, get their inspections done? I don't know. I mean, I, I thought this was really cool because it shows, like, the real... I mean, for one thing, the Los Polos Hermanos commercial was it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Poyos Hermanos, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the one taste and you'll know. And they're talking about the, using the finest ingredients and only the purest of... Pro- and it's such an obvious meth uh metaphor which they've made before mm-hmm. they i think they described the chicken as being addictive or something in yeah. the previous episode i think maybe hank did yeah like something he brought like it that. over for dinner uh so and then they cut right into the cooking montage and you just got this scale but that's a good point i don't know i mean obviously they're not putting the stuff in every fry batter i do you think it's like one out of 20 uh that's a good question it's the ones that are stamped with that uh, UV star or that black light star. And where are the uh, where are the food inspectors inspecting? Are they inspecting at the restaurants or at the factory? I, I imagine they, they would do inspect both. everywhere. Yeah, but also, uh, but I think you could tear that operation down pretty quickly. You know, it's just I would a few think tables so. and it is a ton. I mean, that's the thing. It is a ton of people. Like, yeah, a hundred different people have to know about this meth pipeline at at the bare minimum. It seems. Yeah. So they kind of try to hand wave that away in previous episodes where Gus is like, my people are very well trained. Right. That, that sort of thing. Right. Like maybe, maybe if I buy that Gus is the, I don't know, iron fisted drug purveyor that he is, then maybe I buy that these people wouldn't say anything. Well, the flip side of this is how many people would you need in the conventional criminal organization to manage a multi-state regional distribution process for meth? A lot. So, and would those people be more or less reliable than, you know, essentially civilians that you're well, that, that are well paid? I, mm. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting. It, it doesn't stray, it doesn't ruin my suspension of disbelief. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons just because the way it is kind of industrial makes it seem like this is well oiled and you know, this isn't slipshod. And the fact that sure. Gus is in dark profile overlooking the whole thing. And, and we know Gus is a serious man and a careful man and a long-term plotter and all of that weight and all that authority comes to bear on what we see of his criminal enterprises. So it's like, if Jesse was running this thing, I'd be like, Oh, this is bullshit. Come on. Oh, come course, on. I mean, yeah. people like people would tear it apart, but since it's Gus, uh, people give it a, a, a slide. 
or mm-hmm. a pass. And like I said, I I don't know. I don't know how feasible this would be. Well, regardless, it's uh, it's feasible in the show. Sure. Apparently. Uh, so then we have Walt and Jesse having a disagreement about whether or not they're getting underpaid uh, as they're kind of weighing this this meth out. Walt doesn't seem to care, but Jesse is doing the math and he's like, oh, ninety six million dollars. We're getting paid three. It's not adding up. And he's pissed about it. Uh, we get the, the tidy Mr. Whitey count is up one here. <laughs> Walt strips down again, uh, which is always funny. The big payload of this scene is Jesse asking at the end. Yeah. You know, at the end of three months, what happens? Well, he actually just does that as a kind of an objection. Like, you know, what happens at the end of three months, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's the part that really makes Walt stop and think. Yeah. Like there, he's there's like, something oh, in his eye. I, I have he takes act- note. Yeah, like I've always assumed this is a one and done thing, but I am in the middle of this underground lab with, as we mentioned, this vast network of people working for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although I will say that the vast network would make it more likely that Walt could walk away from this. Unless you're going to seriously say that Gus kills every employee in this process that is a problem. Oh, yeah. You think he does? Victor goes to town. He just you, eliminates. You think he only, like, employs illegal aliens, so they're truly disposable? Oh, sure. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. He's a careful man. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a monster. Sure. That, too. Uh, and then at the end of the scene, Jesse's like, what's more important than money, yo? Yeah. And we cut right to Hank. Sure. In the hospital, which I thought was nice. Uh, the family's at Hank's bedside, and Gomi comes in, and he's, you know... <laughs> Hank calls him in close. Uh, no, no, closer, just to call him an asshole, which I thought was hilarious. And Gomez shows him this map of where the blue meth has been popping up lately, which Walt takes note of. Sure. Uh, giving him a little glimpse inside the investigation, which I like. It, it shows they're on to him, and Walt definitely knows it. I like the fact that like you can hear Hank's heart start to beat faster as Gomez starts giving him the news of the blue meth and starts mm. telling him that you know you were right all along and... Hank retreats to this, I don't know, what would you call this, grouchy fatalism mm-hmm. of like, well, you know, and, and it, he's in a lot of pain. Uh, the other thing, we find out he gets this warning call, but he seems to think that there's nothing going to come of that. Um, and I, I sort of agree. Like if someone takes the time to call and use a voice scrambler, they probably used a burner and paid for cash, and you're never, ever going to find out who it was. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that they'll trace this back to anyone. Right, right. Uh, but it's more in there for Walt to hear, right? Mm. For Walt to start going, oh, sure, okay, yeah. here's what happened. There is something to this. Yeah, and for him to start kind of feeling bad that it's his fault that Hank's in the position he's in. Yeah. Um, which, you know, leads one step to another going down to him paying for the recovery. Yeah. Uh, another thing I noticed in this scene is something I guess I hadn't picked up about Hank, where he feels like maybe he's not as good at his job as he should be. He's like a day late, a dollar short again, as usual, or something like that. Hmm. And I'm, I was surprised to hear that from Hank. Like, I didn't, I didn't think Hank viewed himself as less than stellar at his job. He just had issues with certain aspects of it that he was dealing with. But hmm. I guess there's more to it than that. Maybe some of my recent performance. Because he did... Maybe. He he did 
you know, beat those guys in the bar up. And then he did get fooled by the drug dealer at the RV. And then he did beat up Jesse Pinkman. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm saying he's, I, I don't know. Plus it's like, he's had just, he's just rampant fatalism. Yeah. Yeah. He's in a pretty bad way here. Uh, you know, not, not being able to feel your legs, probably scary, not, you know, being in pain and, and, uh, you know, the morphine clicker locking you out. That's gotta be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Dealing with Gomi's smug face coming in. That's <laughs> yeah, that's the toughest of all. Sure, sure. Uh, we go outside the hospital, and Skyler asks Walt if they're safe. He says yes, and then she asks, "Are you safe?" And he says, "Absolutely." Not terribly convincingly, though. N- no, I didn't think so. I-, I thought the face after Skyler left is decidedly of a man who does not feel entirely safe. Yeah, and I I gotta wonder why Skyler's asking about this. I mean, all of this. All of the things that happened in this episode, both with Ted, both with uh, her asking about Walt's safety here, the stuff that happens later with the the gambling stuff, I feel like Skylar is coming around. Skylar is turning to Walt's side a little bit more, at least understanding why he did the things he's doing. Well, on the other hand, is it could be that... I mean, we've always thought that she cared about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's never a point where she just hated him and wanted him to die no uh, I, i'm not sure about that hmm. i mean doesn't she say why don't you just no that's walt jr says why don't you just die yeah so i don't think he's she's got to that point and hmm. i think that you i if she takes him like that he's stopped doing this mm-hmm. and that he's wanting to reconcile and they're gonna i mean i, I think these are some questions she's asking She's trying to jump back onto the Walt bandwagon. She's trying to re- accept her him as her husband again, and she's asking these questions like she's about ready to do that. But are we going to be safe? Are you going to be safe? How are we going to you know reintegrate this new reality of us being wealthy with what we've got you know to, with our friends and family, all that stuff? I think all this stuff is at work, yeah. but I'm not too sure. Like, well, I mean, I. I when when she says at the end with uh you know that I haven't forgotten like I I suspect that you are behind or involved with whatever happened to Hank and I'm not forgetting that yeah to me that says that while she might be coming around or whatever there is a f- still a fundamental breakdown in their relationship oh yeah I'm not disputing that so coming around it's like in a way. But is is she coming around for the sake of the kids? Is she coming around for the sake of, you know, returning normalcy for herself? What does that mean? All all I'm getting at is that she understands why Walt did the things that that he did and that she is starting to accept that a little bit more. But when she says, I learned from the best, isn't she implying that she is very heavily bending the truth? Mm -hmm. She's, She's kind of lying in plain sight. So where does that... She's saying stuff that Walt wants to hear and is flattering to him. Does she does she truly believe that? Or does she believe that's what Walt thinks he I don't, did? I don't, I don't I don't think she's saying it for his benefit. Really? I mean well, I mean maybe she is. Maybe she wants him to know. I feel like during that scene that we haven't got to yet. I know. It's uh, awkward. Uh she's telling Marie something while simultaneously telling Walt that she gets it. That's that's the vibe I got from that scene. Hmm. And you can see it kind of on both of their faces, right? They're they're kind of looking at each other and she's talking to Marie but also 
the things she's saying are directed also at Walt. Yeah. To let him know, look, I get what you did. I still think it's kind of shitty, but... Well, plus, I mean... I get why you did Yeah, I, I want to withhold further commentary okay. until we can just talk about it. All right, so Jesse's in a group session here. Um, he's talking about how much he hates his job, and he has no idea what Kafkaesque means when <laughs> when he says, oh, yeah, my job is a nightmarish hellscape, and his counselor says, sounds very Kafkaesque. I, I love his, my boss is a dick, owner's a super dick. Yeah. <laughs> There's a distinction to be made with Jesse between Dick and Super Dick. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to Skyler and Marie oogling. Do you know what Kafkaesque means? Yeah. Okay. I looked it up. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I've never read any Kafka stuff. Uh, me, I, m- my, my either. Me, I, my, me, <laughs> I either. What the fuck? How come I can't say words? How come I can't make the word? It's Kafkaesque. You, yeah, your vocabulary is Kafkaesque. <laughs> so that's like Kafkaesque is where. Some sort of external bureaucracy or system of control supersedes the humans that are running it, sticking them in some kind of paradoxical, nightmare, illogical scenario that they cannot escape from. I didn't know about the first part of that. Mm. But, yeah, I knew that it was basically this kind of nightmare scenario um, that you're kind of stuck in and that everyone can identify with, even though it is very outlandish in some ways, you know? I thought that the well, see, I read a couple of like short stories or snippets, and it seemed like they mm-hmm. always involved some kind of higher power following a rule book that doesn't necessarily apply to the situation and probably is is outdated or outmoded or unhelpful, but they still have to follow it. Okay, you know, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I thought it was an, it's it's an interesting. It's it's like one of those words. It's it's the perfect thing to describe a very narrow part of the human experience like Mm -hmm. shot like you know germans got schadenfreude i guess we have kafka-esque which is not a real word it's just you know we give germans a lot of shit of just smashing together words to to mean other words but like you know kafka-esque yeah throw an esque on anything or an ish and yeah and and you got that flavor we just we have a we limit it a little bit more you know sure we're not going to string together 96 characters and call that a word we might like well if you describe someone as having a kermit and miss piggyish relationship <laughs> it might get that's to, no that dip. might get to 30 right right <laughs> but but you know we put like like the germans say pork and froggin and that's that's they they got it you know <laughs> sure <laughs> Uh, so Skyler and Marie are oogling Hank's gift bags here when Marie notices that one of them is from Ted, and it makes Skyler a little bit nervous. Mm. But then that tension is broken up when the doctor comes in to test whether Hank can feel his legs. He can, but not very well. He's he's making a little bit of progress here. Yeah. Uh, and this doctor looked real familiar, and I've seen him in other stuff. He's sure in Seinfeld and just about every uh, procedural type show out there. He's a, he's one of those character actors. Yeah. At first, he looked like Ethan from Lost, which, mm. uh, if you're familiar with him... I thought he looked a little bit like the guy that plays... Um, ah, shit. What was the... not Is it Bobby Barrett? Is something... Jimmy Barrett? The, you know, the weird, offensive comedian that was the pe- the pitchman in Mad Men Season 2? No. I don't mm. remember him. I thought he looked like him a bit, with, with his mm. crazy hair shaved and, not, and wearing glasses. I don't think it's the same actor, though. I'm almost certain it's not. Yeah, I didn't see it in his credit listings. Uh, So Marie wants to know when Hank can walk again, but the doctors tell her it's not that simple. He needs physical therapy, but the insurance is not going to cover all of it. Um, 
and kind of against the advice of the doctors here, Marie says, I'm going to get him whatever help he needs, however I have to do that. I will say that this is kind of a issue for me because I do not believe for an instant that a DEA agent that struck down more or less in the line of duty, I know it's more complicated than that, but the, the idea that that would happen and he would not get the very best of care, spare no expense, doesn't mm. ring true with what I've seen when law enforcement and firefighter types have something like this happen to them. Hmm. Okay. Like maybe, maybe some of them would have stepped in and, and sky, you know, Skylar jumped in and got ahead of herself. But like the fact that like someone like Gus, for example, wouldn't come forward and be like, here's a hundred thousand dollars for whatever you do a fundraiser or yeah. some government agency, just be like, you know, whatever, we're going to take care of this guy. Um, sure, I, I feel like the least Gus could do is take care of him, right? Yeah, but then I look... Yeah, okay, for Gus, but then I'm, I'm thinking official government. Now Now I'm starting to second-guess myself, because the way we treat, like, veterans of war... Sure, it's terrible. ...is, is terrible. Mm. Uh, so maybe this is exactly what would happen. I don't know. Yeah, I think, though... They can bury you in a fancy funeral, but, whoa, pay for your <laughs> rehabilitation if you lived? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, hmm. I, now I'm back to maybe this is believable. <laughs> But well, shame on Gus for not helping out, right? <laughs> He's got the money, no problem, and he caused this whole situation using Hank as a pawn to get something he wanted. And it's like, I get that you don't really owe Hank anything from their perspective, but you do from look a moral perspective here. Ninety-six million dollars in three months. Mm-hmm. You can afford a hundred thousand dollars to Hell pay yes, for law can. enforcement now. That's maybe that starts asking questions about where this money came from, but I imagine Chicken Gus, operation. He's sure got Gus money can going everywhere. Yeah, he's got he can launder the shit out of this. Yeah. Money. He doesn't need a, a Korean nail salon. And like you said, fun run. Just do a there fun run for Hank. Do a couple fun runs for Hank. Take a cue from the police department. That's not cool. Doing a fun run for a guy who can't walk. Come on now. <laughs> All right. Uh, but no, even I guess so. I started this by saying like, okay, even if it was a problem, I guess it does further because I know one of the things that Vince Gilligan seemed as a thesis was to kind of illustrate the weaknesses of our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Because I know he said in several interviews, like imagine if we had universal healthcare, breaking bad as a plot would not exist. Yeah. Cause Walt doesn't need to go cook meth. Right. Same here with Hank. Like you have to make suboptimal medical decisions, even if you have insurance because mm-hmm. of your network and all this other stuff. Yeah. It's frustrating to say the least. For sure. Uh, you know what I like about this episode is we see, a little bit more how much Marie cares for Hank. Marie's not much of a character throughout this series, but in these moments, we see a lot of caring from Marie. And it, it manifests itself in strange ways. Yes, it's a peculiar like anger sure, and, sure. and lashing out at, at the government and lashing out at sure. authorities of all kinds. And Gomi, but, poor Gomi. <laughs> and poor Gomi. But it's all in service of getting Hank the help he needs. And she really cares about Hank. And I think that's a great part of Marie that we need to see. Otherwise, what is she in this show? Yeah, the the only thing I guess I would be somewhat critical of Marie is I would like to see what this turn what this turns into if Skylar doesn't step forward if she can't get the treatment that Hank needs, if Hank ends yeah. up not being able to walk. Like, that's my thoughts on this is like, the, this is all bravado. You know, this is this is cheap. I, I see what this you're is, saying. Yeah. This is this is cheap bravado. Um, A year from now, mm-hmm. what does it look like? And that's the thing. It's like, you know, you deal with any kind of caring kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I don't know. know. I, I get the impression from Marie that she is willing to go down the road at least a year. And right, if they end up in a bad situation because of it, I don't know. Then, I, yeah, I, it might fall apart. But <sighs> Marie seems pretty brittle. She seems like but, a glass hammer. Yes, but she's also really stubborn, it seems. And, like, she's going to continue on this path to get Hank treatment, even if it would bankrupt them, even if it would cause all sorts of problems in their life. Yeah. Well, and, again, you know, again, I imagine if she goes on, uh, like, I, I think the, out, the course of action she outlines here about, you know, taking to the streets and getting on Nightline and yeah. Frontline and all the other lines would probably yield results. Probably. He's a hero. Sure. Like she says. Uh, so then we get a scene of Jesse showing up at a nail salon where Saul is waiting for him to tell him that this is his new cover business. He's now the proud owner of a nail salon. <laughs> and Jesse absolutely hates this idea. He doesn't give a shit about nail salons. He doesn't even get a shit about laundering his money. He's like, I'm going to launder my money so I can pay fucking taxes? No way, man. I'm a criminal. Yeah. And Saul's like, well, if you want to continue to be a criminal and not a convict, then you need to do this. And he's totally right. Yeah, no, Jesse's being a fucking idiot here. Yeah. Uh, and I th- that's so weird because I thought, like, honestly, in my rewatch of this, I thought it was after Jesse got the shit beat out of him that he started to kind of wise up a little bit. Well, I mean, you could say that about a lot of things, like when Jane died, when he got out of rehab, when he's like, yeah. this is the time, but... The problem with Jesse is he can't get away from this self-destructive behavior. So even if he yeah. has the intentions and he has all the skills and the mental processes necessary to do the right thing, he's going to look for a way to rock the boat and fuck up the situation because deep down he knows he doesn't deserve any of this. Hmm. He should be dead or he should, you know, Jane still be, and, you know, all this stuff is, it's like the therapist says, you got to be able to forgive yourself. He's, yeah. you know... And, and further wallowing. I mean, this stuff that they do with the uh, uh, the, the the drug rehab group is just <laughs> amazing. <laughs> and something else, especially after the big speech he's about to give. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I it took my breath away too. How quickly he went from all right, I can see this guy starting to be a serious person, and Walt kowtowed to him and gave him what he needed. Uh, but now he's back to, uh, I, I'm not comfortable here. I shouldn't be here. I'm going to see if I can find a way to fuck this up. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, there's also, I, I don't think it's just the fact he doesn't give a shit about the nail salon and he's an outlaw and all this other stuff. It's also the 17% versus five. Sure. You're the junior partner. You're the one I don't take. You're the one that doesn't get to meet with Gus. That is, you know, the, the fact that this equal partner stuff seems like it's a lie. I think that's another part of the self the self destructive cycle he's in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm trying to imagine how this scenario is going to play out. Is Jesse going to get stuck with the 17? percent Does he have another option if Saul doesn't want to launder his money? I think Jesse right now believes that he can just spend that cash, no problem. Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, he's an idiot if he thinks that. But see, I think but that's, I, the that's always. I, I thought that'd be the most fun part of a criminal enterprise. Blowing cash. The fact that you got the olive oil factory. No, 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 not blowing oh, cash, but the yeah, fact yeah. that you got the olive oil factory and you got the banana stand and you got the nail mm-hmm. salon and like you got all your fingers and all these pies and there's just money everywhere. Like, you know, and you're like, yeah. I don't see it as Kafkaesque. I, I see it as more of a charade, you know, a charade that you're playing with civilization. 
you're hiding in plain slots. And it's like what Saul says, like, federal government doesn't care if you're a drug dealer necessarily. Yeah. They care that you pay your goddamn taxes. Yeah, they want their cut. Which... Just like Saul wants. Sure, sure. <laughs> Which is, like he says, Kafka-esque. Uh-huh. That, is, that is what's the, the kind of fucked up part about it. Yep. Uh, so Walt goes to see Gus at his distribution center. And he accuses Gus of setting up the game to cut off the cartel from the Southwest for his own profit and says, oh, you, you know what? I, I respect the strategy. I would have done the same in your position. Uh, which is very easy to say in hindsight. Uh, then he asks Gus for security for his family. And instead, Gus offers him a $15 million open-ended contract. Yeah. Ah, oh, the open-ended contract. Sure. The, Walt, come on. Walt knows better than... I'm, I mean, I'm surprised. So I'm surprised he just didn't push it's literally for... extending the situation that he's in right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm really surprised that. Well, I guess that shows what Walt really wants. Walt doesn't want to stop cooking. Okay. Um, but it is interesting that. So that's 15 million annually is barely more than what he already had because the annual contract yeah, that he had quarter million. Well, I mean, because because Gus has given him three no, million dollars for three months, he's splitting that with Jesse. Yeah. Uh. So, but if that the original offer is three three million for three months, and that's twelve million dollars annually. Yeah. And then Gus says, "Call it fifteen. We offered him ten, and then he says, "Call it fifteen. Which so like this is this is still kind of like peanut work. And I'm surprised Walt didn't go for like, okay, great. But what if I want to peace out in ninety days? Mm-hmm. What then? Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. Like, what's the accomplish what he goes in to this meeting to do? Right. Yeah, like, Which is like, to find like out press the fate. Gus for details. How do we protect your interest yeah. in mine? Like, how do you? But Gus, I I believe that Gus just would refuse to say anything about that. He was completely silent, completely stonewalling. But that tells you a lot, right? He said, uh, "I I'm going to give you this contract." Yeah, I think it does tell you. That's a what lot. I'm saying. Like that. If you're I, Walt, it should. That's what I'm saying. Walt didn't even try. Like, yeah, he. You know, he said, what happens next? And Gus says, well, how about we make it open-ended? And Gus and mm-hmm. Walt can say, well, that sounds good, but what if I do want to go our separate ways? Yeah. And then if Gus has no answer to that, then, like, ooh, that's scary. <laughs> if he has, like, oh, Gus, like, oh, well, here's the, you know, when, when people exit my organization, like, even if it's all bullshit, if he has some kind of smooth thing of, like, you know, here's how we do it and here's how, like, you'll be paid X amount of dollars yearly to make sure that you're loyal and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. Do but... you think this conversation has Walt nervous? Oh yeah. Well, uh, huh. has has he realized the implications fully? I don't think so because so the next scene with the Aztec, yes. speeding in traffic, is that because he's afraid for his life, or is that because he just got back into this thing when <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When everyone expects him to be out of it, right? Well, Skyler thinks that this is over and it's the only reason they have any kind of relationship. So so point. one thing I think is weird is like I feel like this scene would have worked better had it come after Skyler's poker speech. Hmm. Cuz right now him and Skyler are still very much kind of up in the air. I mean, it's definitely there's been a thaw because Walt has been there with the family and he's not tried to bug out and act weird and all that kind of stuff and, and it Skyler's does look like a big bag of cash it does look like he yeah and it does look like he's <laughs> out of the game I, I feel like that this would have made more sense or been more definitive had it happened after that conversation hmm. because of that it's maybe like a little so. bit it's like okay maybe he's afraid for himself maybe he thought he was out and he's disappointed in himself um 
I don't know. Yeah, and I, I mean, I get the distinct impression that, you know, at 90 miles an hour, closing your eyes on the highway, that's suicide. That's that's not a guy who... I, I don't know why he opens up his eyes right as his truck is blowing its horn and gets out of the way. Well, so is this like um, a suicidal version of a out? coin flip? Kind of like, I'm going to Maybe close my eyes and floor the accelerator. For 20 seconds and, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it took a good 30 minutes of acceleration to get the Aztec up to the princely speed of 85. <laughs> this was a more uh, deliberate, thought-out process. But, yeah, you yeah. close your eyes and let Jesus take the wheel. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that might be like a suicidal coin flip. Like, uh, what if the truck didn't, you know, what if he smacked into a guardrail or mm-hmm. a saguaro cactus or flipped over an armadillo or, you know, it's like he – it. When he w- when he opened his eyes, it was still like a shock, like how close that truck is, and what if he lost control and flipped? I mean, it's kind of like, I wonder if this is his fatalistic way of absolving himself from this latest crime. <laughs> like, if God wants me dead, then I'll be dead, or if hmm. the universe rejects me, then th- then I don't know. That's one possible Maybe. interpretation. Yeah. Uh, so after that that scene with the truck, uh, Jesse's counselor asks him what he'd do if he had all the money he wanted. And Jesse recounts this story about how he got into woodworking in school um, because he had a teacher who basically challenged him, said, you know, is that the best you can do when he made this shitty box? But not like a a Walter White. No, no, no. no. It wasn't chastising. It was just literally an honest question. Is that the best? Is that everything you got? Mm -hmm. Uh, And he said that, you know, he loved making this wooden box and he... It had all these special woods and special lacquers and all this shit. Um, mm-hmm. Made the perfect box, and then he traded it for an ounce of weed. Which is kind of just, ah, oh, Jesse. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, it feels like that this process is working for him. Like, he, want, he went for the easy lie, mm-hmm. and then he then told the brutal truth, which is, I traded it for an ounce of weed. Uh, yeah. This thing that I'd worked and was so proud of, uh, which is kind of um, kind of uh, his his story arc in a microcosm. Like everything in, in of value way. in his life, he will trade for this mm. drug thing. Yeah. Whether it's an addiction to it or whether it is making it, whether it's making money off of it. So many sacrifices for such little gain. Um, yeah. yeah. And I wonder if he sees, you know, his own cooking operation or his own sales operation as this wooden box like is that what he's doing after this is he trying to to hone his craft i see it as more self-destructive behavior because again this he start this group stuff is starting to work for him yeah he's starting to open up and 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 be real and what's he gonna do he's gonna come in and bring his idiot friends in for this big elaborate stage production of blue meth so is he rebelling against the idea that this this therapy is working and that he's starting to come to some conclusions about himself and his life? Or I did, totally okay. I see it happen all the time where people, you know, they can't get past their personal shame and what lo- self loathing to stand on their own two feet, and anytime they get close, that they, they blow it up. Hmm. And I, I don't know. I, that's what I thought that. Yeah, you have this like heartfelt one of the best Aaron Paul performances you'll 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 see. Yeah, and then next scene is him saying, "Hey, we gotta get the band back together. 
Mm-hmm. We got we, I got a new market. I, I'm going to exploit this resource that's been so helpful to me. I mean, it's it's a really calculated evil thing. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Uh, Hilarious. <laughs> yes. But really fucked up. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I always go back to this image of the cackling Villigan in the background going, watch this, guys. Yeah, yeah. And that's totally where his head has, is at here. Uh, so before we get to the, the Skinny Pete and Badger lunch, Skylar and Marie are talking about how they're going to pay for Hank's treatment, and Ted shows up at the front door, and he wants to know what's going on with him and Skylar, and Skylar doesn't want to talk about it right now, and so he leaves dejected. It's This is a bad bad scenario here. Yeah, right? she sends him packing. She doesn't really tell him that she's kind of back on the Walt train here. She was going to if he forced her hand. Yeah. Uh, but And then she, soft, I don't, she softens us at the end, like, I'll see you in a couple mm-hmm. days. Yeah. So she kind of strings him along a bit, but yeah, she Ted's just so desperate in this scene, man. He Ted comes is across a pathetic as dude, man. Real he pathetic. Really is. Yeah. He, he is real. He's not seems he is a really pathetic dude. And it's strange too because it doesn't when you first meet him, it doesn't seem like that at all, right? Like no. the facade that he puts up to most people is pretty good. Sure. But now it's just crumbling and it I mean, you he's, see he's kind of like season 1 Walter in his own little way. Yeah. I mean, he's not getting up early in the morning and doing his uh, sad treadmill in front of the Nobel <laughs> Peace Prize, but he mm-hmm. is, you know, fucking around and squandering the f- the the company that his his forefathers built carefully and yeah. di- diligently, and he's over his head, and he's he's a, he's as much of a sham. So, yep. Do so you the- think Do you think Skyler subcon- uh, subconsciously attracts those types? Hmm. Maybe. I don't know, because I, I guess when she attracted Walt, he was not that way, right? He, well, he was but probably... there's an interesting social theory about how sure, people yeah. subconsciously look for patterns that feel comfortable to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like if, say, your parents, they have a terrible marriage, but there's still flashes where you can see things working, like when they're at their best. That's not this baseline. It's certainly not the worst. But so mm-hmm. you, you see a person that reminds you of your father when he's at his best. And you marry that person, and then years later, it's like, what now? You know, how did he turn into my father at his worst? Well, you, you <laughs> it's always been there. You're it's, just not seeing it. Yeah, you just saw him at his 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 max operating instead of you know fixing the problems yeah. in yourself and breaking those patterns. You just marry them and, and get comfortable with them. <laughs> All right. Uh well, get comfortable for the lunch scene with Jesse, Skinny Pete, and Badger. Because they're talking about how they can get back in the meth game. And uh, it seems... I'm not sure that Jesse necessarily goes to them and wants this to happen. But once they get excited about it, he's like, okay, yeah. Really? On board. Huh. I don't know. This this is a very Kevin Smithy scene. I don't know whether it's a Star Wars references or... Yeah. Well, Badger is the one who's like, yeah, we'll just get the shake and bake thing going. You know, a bicycle, <laughs> two liters. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. That bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh, some chili powder, probably. Yeah. And then Jesse's like, nope, we're not doing that. We're going... So you don't think Jesse, this was... Uh, he didn't, you don't think he planned on springing this on him the whole time? Based on the conversation, no, but I couldn't tell you exactly why. Hmm. But I don't know. He, I, either I, way, I, 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 thought, cool I saw this as it. a slick, much slicker version of the mm. pretzel bowl pitch, you know? pretzel bowl pitch yeah when he had him over oh, the two liters in the bowl. apartment yeah, yeah exactly uh i don't know could be wrong but yeah i thought that he uh this this is they and they don't tell you they don't 
hold your hand and, and tell you exactly yeah. why, but like this, I feel like it's a direct reaction. It's him pulling the, um, you know, the eject lever on his therapy situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go back to the lab. Walt's cleaning while Jesse is weighing the product. And Walt asks him what the yield is, and he gives him a number that is a third of a pound light. 0.3 pounds light. The implication here, along with this next scene where Badger and Skinny Pete are in the group therapy Oh, session. wait a second. Okay. Hmm. I th- Ooh. All right. Because I, I assumed that this is when Jesse got the idea to on how he would actually skim it. I thought that he gave Walter the correct number and then he got a new thing and put it on there and they got and saw like when Walt wasn't even double checking his numbers like oh this is how I can do that but no I mean he he doesn't move the thing at all doesn't he, just, he? okay he says a number and then the camera kind of goes to the other side of the thing and we see the sure the actual readout which is a third of a pound light that's like over 50 of those boxes that's a hell of a lot of meth you can sell yeah yeah he's gonna have plenty he's gonna have pounds and pounds of this sure stuff. Uh, so their operation is going to be in full swing here. I don't know if they can sell it all to this group therapy session, mm. uh, the people in that, but they can sell some of it. And the the plan is awesome, right? They get Badger to go in there, start talking about, oh, man, I'm I'm seriously craving it. And there's this amazing blue stuff out there. And Skinny Pete's like, oh, you're not talking about the blue stuff. That stuff is fucking amazing. Yeah, set your head on fire. God, how are you going to resist it? <laughs> And then, like, oh, yeah, Skinny <laughs> P's acting people. job when Badger's like, well, fortunately, it's dried up. He's like, oh, that's the shame of it. It's back in town. <laughs> and Jesse's grin is yeah. uh, so good. I, it, but it's like, it's so e- – it's trying to sell booze at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. It's, exactly that. Yeah, it's totally evil. You're selling poison to people. They're mm-hmm. trying to get well. Yeah. It's it's uh yeah I'm I'm I don't have a huge problem with selling drugs to people who want them selling drugs who to people who are trying to kick them I don't like sure I sure. don't like it at all yeah no it's it's pretty terrible uh, so morally then, indefensible but hilarious yeah, in execution indeed uh, Marie's threatening to go to the press with Hank's story because she's not getting results and Walt's trying to comfort her and Skylar brings up the idea of paying Hank's medical bills. Because they have all this money. And she starts to spill the beans on what Wall's been doing. And he's like, no, no, Skylar, don't tell her. And then she spins this elaborate story about online gambling and this system of card counting that Walt's come up with, which I I just really love this scene. I think it's amazing on several levels. Yeah, this, this is the kind of scene in Breaking Bad uh, and the scene that preceded it where it gives me a particular type of tingle. Uh-huh. Like just the sheer pleasure of the elegantness of everything that's going, and the fact that like yeah. Brian Cranston as his portrayal as Walt becomes as much of a spectator as we are. Yes, he wants to hear this story. What yeah, is she gonna- no, we're all kind of leaning in. Like, how is this going to work out? And he's right there yes. in on the joke with us. It's and the leaning it's brilliant. in. That's perfect because there's specifically a moment where. Skylar kind of takes a pause, and then she goes back to the story, and both Marie and Walt yes. lean forward yes. to hear more. Yes, and for, for two totally different reasons, right? Like Walt's sure. wanting to know what story she's going to spin about his activities, Plus and he's Marie just impressed. Yeah, this I think is, so. Uh, you know, uh, Skylar has lied about the check being in mail on a credit card before, but this mm-hmm. is a whole other scam, and. And exactly in the Walter White vein of of killing somebody with the truth, just enough of the truth to make it a lie. 
Yeah. And then the way she brilliantly knew how to draw the line at the fugue state, uh, like, oh, no, no, that was something else, and, and that was legitimate and all that kind of – because that also, you know, she's trying to protect Walt because if Marie yeah. puts two and two together, that's what started this whole thing. Uh-huh. If Hank was out fucking around in the desert because Walt was just trying to get his gamble on, that is going to be something that a person like Marie, even though she hasn't made the connection, it, I don't know if she gets over that. Yeah. But by saying, oh, that was genuine because he'd lost all of our money and he was – uh, I think break. it softens yeah. the blow a bit, especially when you're offering a step forward and pay for all of his mm-hmm. his bills. No, it. This is one of the greatest pivots in Breaking Bad history. I agree. Yeah. Um. And, and I think it's like like I said earlier, a turning point in their relationship a little bit because I think in this scene, Skyler is talking to Walt, saying, "I understand why you did this." And I mean, if you if you disagree with that, I'd like to hear why, but. No, I'm I don't not, disagree not with sure. it. I just disagree with the I when you started out the episode, I thought you were saying that like they're shifting in the easy street mode. I oh, don't no, know no, that no. that's and, and I don't know I she's accepting some things and others. It's not clear to me at this point what all she's accepting and what their relationship is. Yeah. If this is purely a survival thing, like I have to help my sister and my brother and Mm-hmm. I have this ability to do it, and I have to figure out a way to make it work. Or is it a forgive forgiveness? That's that's the I think. Okay. Since you've got that, this is all under duress. You could argue that the that the the um, slack that she's giving the Walt, um, or the credit that she's giving the Walt in this deception is purely enough to sweeten the deal, so he'll go along with it. Okay. Like I, he want, needs to have some credit, right? Yeah, like if she told a version the of this that made him look like he is the biggest scumbag in the world, uh-huh. or hadn't earned the money. Yeah, right? like she was very careful she to hit that. all those points. But I think that's the line she's walking. Like something that Marie will swallow, something that Walt won't explode about, mm-hmm. and that's why that's where I have a hard time saying this is a turning point for her because the next thing she says is you almost <laughs> killed my brother-in-law and devastated my family. I'm not forgetting that. Yeah. That's not a we're cool. And no. And I think their relationship is very complicated and I don't think we're necessarily supposed to understand exactly where she stands because I don't think she does yet. I think she's starting to try to come to terms with some of this stuff in their relationship and it's difficult. Well, also the fact that she's saying something tells me that Hank is here because of you Mm-hmm. implies that she's reasonably certain that Walt has begun to lying and manipulation again, which he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a thing. Like, I've always wondered what would happen if Walt just brought Skylar in at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she'd bluster. I've got cancer. We need money. Here's what I want to do. She'd bluster and she'd threaten and she'd cajole. But if he just did this kind of like without lying, I'm, and I get it. That's like... An unrealistic thing to expect Walt to do, to take that leap of oh, faith. Oh, hell yeah. But it's a fun mental experiment to think, knowing what we know about Skylar's trajectory to this point, and you and I, not to get spoilery, but knowing how things go, mm. what what would her reaction have been? I feel like she doesn't go along with that. Uh, if he's honest and says, here's what I want to do, I want to cook meth, and I want to make a lot of money before I die, I don't think she would do that. But would she turn him into Hank? That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying she's going along with okay. it. Okay, I'm so just saying there's, that there's a, a distinction w- there. Yeah, like it's it's one of those things where it's like when you know you get married to somebody and you love them and they say they're going to do something, 
you don't have a whole as 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 a there's there's not a lot of control there. Like you can put your foot down, and you can stamp your foot, and you can say you forbid it, and you really the only thing you can do is like I'm divorcing you, and I'm taking the kids because I think you're a maniac. Like that's mm-hmm. that's and if you're not willing to do that, then you have no power at all. Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, but I I also like this um another part of this scene where you can see Walt listening to this story, and she she gives him credit, and it's kind of the perfect story, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't require any further explanation, it's, but it's also saucy enough to be believable. Uh-huh. That, like this, especially when she kicks it to the illegal backroom games. Yeah, it's somewhere you could see Walt making a bunch of money. Sure, real quick. Yeah, card counting is legit. I mean, not so yeah. much nowadays, but you there's several books about people that. <laughs> Uh, made a hell of a lot of money doing it. Yeah, uh, but you can see Walt kind of coming around to this idea as the conversation progresses. And at the end of it, he's kind of proud of his achievements in this story that she spun. Although we know that he's actually proud of what he's done in the meth game. And and you can see kind of a look on his face like a yes yes I did do all of this didn't I Yeah, I'm kind of amazing. Understand? And like I said, it's 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 complicated because he's yeah ah. I feel like Heisenberg's got a real boner for this type of Skyler. Yeah, and then, I think and so. he's a little bit put. You know, he he she brings him up short when she rebukes him at the end of this because he's like, "Where have you been my entire life, my gangster mall, my my yeah. you know?" And she, my I don't know. It, there's so many different layers of why. You know, is is he's he's he proud of her? Is he relieved that she's accepted him finally? Is he yeah taking uh, pride that now uh, parts of his extended family can know how important he is. Like all that stuff's wrapped up in that. Yeah, sure. And and I can imagine Skylar, uh, Walt viewing Skylar because I think she is as a much smarter, uh, more reasonable, rational person than like a Saul or a Jesse. Like all the people he's been involved with so far have been kind of bumbling idiots yeah. for the most part. I mean, Saul gets the job done, but his personality is just ridiculous. Uh, whereas Skylar seems very smart, very capable in the things that she does. And if they were to work together, I think that would be like really cool in his mind. Oh, yeah. I think that's kind of his ultimate goal, if that could happen. Yeah, although, you know, season three, Walt should know better. If Skylar's involved <laughs> with him, then his whole family's in danger. And he's yeah. starting to realize true. all of that. You know, like yeah. his his step of going to Gus and saying, I realize I was a primary target is huge for him. Sure. Because that tells him that, you know, even with Gus in the picture, he's still a target. And by extension, his family, if, if Skylar gets more involved in it, I mean, he's just he's just not he's still I don't, he's not naive about how this business works. Yeah. But it's not I think he's naive enough to think, oh, it'd be cool if Skylar was with me on this mm-hmm. or I can get out of this alive. Like yeah. Gus isn't going to kill me after this open-ended contract. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So uh, that's the end of the episode. We just have that scene of, of Skylar telling him she's not going to forget about this being his fault. Uh, this does she, that's it. She does not forgive or forget. No. If she was a Klingon, that's how she'd say it. Uh, I got a little bit of feedback. Okay. And we it. got some more feedback in the spoiler section. If you'd like to send us feedback, uh, do so at breaking good at baldmove.com please put the episode number that you're giving feedback on or the title in the subject line so i can kind of keep it straight 
And as always, if you don't hear your feedback being mentioned, it could be because we just recorded this like three weeks earlier and, and we'll put it on a later cast. Mm-hmm. All that said, we got a uh, got an email from Minor Celebrity, Topher Grace. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> That's what their email said anyway. Hmm. Says uh, Topher says, I think you guys need to really lay off the twins being unrealistic. I live in a town in the southwest or southeast where there is a lot of carpet mills and a lot of Hispanics move here to work and they have skull-toed boots worn by Mexican or to have skull-toed boots worn by Mexican gangsters is not something out of the ordinary here. I went to high school with guys like this and they have the same personality as the twins. I mean, I guess. All right. Well, <laughs> sure. I, I I can't argue someone's personal anecdote, but I'm just saying uh, you know, as a guy from the grew up in the Midwest, I didn't see anybody like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is, like, I get it as a public persona, but this is how they're like all the time. Yeah. 24-7, even with their brother. You're driving through the desert, just sitting there in silence. Yeah. I That's that's the thing. Like, you know, are they telepaths? What what the heck? Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know. But, but they, you know, they're dead. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael P. said at some point in season three, Flynn mentions that he wants his parents to either buy him an IROC or a Stang. Walt responds, how about something with playing cards in the spokes? Yep. This is Walt at his very worst, joking about buying a kid with cere- cerebral palsy a fucking bicycle. Oh, no. Awful. Inexcusable. I doubt that Flynn has even been able to ride a bike. That said, I think it was just a ride- riding oversight. Either way, mm-hmm. it made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, sounds like a joke that they didn't think about very much and just said, that's funny. Yeah. It's a dad joke, right? It's a dad joke, but do you, uh, does a dad that has a kid with a dis- <laughs> physical disability make that? No, no, he definitely doesn't. I think you're right. It's a writing oversight. Junior should come out. You're an asshole, dad, you know? <laughs> sure. Uh, He's got enough trouble with the pedals on the car. Sure. Let alone the pedals on a bike. Also, I just thought of a fantasy TV show. It's basically Breaking Bad with one exception. It involves a certain U.S. Marshal from Harlan, Kentucky. What if when Walt dis- – well, I'm gonna, this is almost a, mild, uh, a wild spoiler. Uh, but what if Raylan Givens was set to investigate Walter White? I doubt Walter uh, ever gets out of Albuquerque alive. Uh, I think we did this in season three of – of of Justified. of our cover, cover yeah coverage of Justified when they were both in full swing and we debated about who would win, it's really hard. It is yeah because Raylan is a really good manhunter and he's deadly with a shot and but I don't think that Walter's the kind of guy he'd draw down on. Yes, because Walt would not draw down draw down Walt, on him. Walt would have like explosives rigged when uh-huh. he comes to his lab and he'd have his hands up in the air and like railing and step on a pressure plate and get his ass blown up yeah so that and and how much information would would Raylan know about mm-hmm. would would he know that walt could be capable of that kind of behavior i don't know i i still take walt in that it's weird because Raylan is a very unconventional cop and walt is a very unconventional crime lord yeah and that is very those are two it's like how do you predict what happens when two people play a wild card at the same time mm-hmm. i think that walt beats him though just on that because like Raylan's not a guy that's going to kill a dude in cold blood yes i think you're right whereas walt might oh fuck yeah walt would yeah he would he Maybe. just signed off on gus's plan to almost kill his brother-in-law 
He says, I would do the same but thing in your place. But he didn't kill his brother-in-law, and he warned him. And guess what? Raylan's not Wal- Walt's brother-in-law. I don't... I mean, Walt has never shown me that he's going to kill a law enforcement officer. I mean, it's one thing to say, like, I respect the strategy of your plan. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to execute on a plan like that. And I, I haven't seen anything that indicates Walt would yet. Okay. He'll blow up Tuco. He'll okay. blow up... Uh, he'll kill Crazy 8 when he needs to, but... I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen that sort of thing out of Walt yet. Of course, we haven't seen him involved in law enforcement at all. Yeah. Uh, he did get maced. <laughs> he did, yeah. So, he was pretty angry about that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, we've got several more things to talk about in the spoiler section. Okay. But until then, please give us feedback at breakinggood@baldmove.com. Again, remember to put that episode title or number in the subject line when you're responding. Yeah, and if you're into spoilers, stick around after the music because that's where they are. And if not, we'll see you next week. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you. And we're back with the spoiler section. What do, we, what do you got for me? Uh, there's a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, number one... Now that we're in the spoiler section, we're not worried about spoilers. I'd like to talk about this Raylan Given stuff. <laughs> All right, now I just downloaded season four and season five in your head. Yeah, Walt doesn't kill Raylan if he thinks he's going to get the drop on him. Is is Raylan going to kill Walt? That's the question, right? Like, I think if Walt thinks he's in danger, like he thought when Gus tried to kill him, uh, that he would. He would definitely take action. Walt had like 12 or 13 guys murdered in prison because he might go to jail. Yeah. I mean, that's way, way the hell later. But yes. That's what I'm saying. I no, mean, I'm if, saying. If you're taking the entirety of the series now, yeah, maybe. Okay. Season three, Walt, I don't think has it in him yet. I agree. To just go gung ho on a law enforcement official. I agree. I, I think you're probably right. But like, end of game, Walt yeah. is absolutely going to blow him into red, red paste if he, if At he could. At his most desperate, sure. If he could. Uh, some idle thoughts I had. Uh, I wonder if Saul had come at Jesse with the go kart place. Ah, uh, yeah. His what weakness. if Jesse's less, a little less uh, uh, skeptical <laughs> about the whole process, or even the late uh, laser tag? Perfect thing to pitch to Jesse. Yeah, yeah. The nail salon thing, not up Jesse. And you got to wonder: Is Saul even thinking about that? Saul's just really concerned with. How well, easy is it going to be to launder money through this Yeah, thing? that's what I'm saying. It's like, Saul, I don't think he would even consider that, like, oh, your manhood won't allow you to run a nail salon. But it's also fucking weird that, like, Jesse's going to run a nail salon. Like, I guess the IRS doesn't know anything about him as a human being. Yeah. But if they did, they would know Jesse would never, He's never just... own a nail salon. What's the point? <sighs> Whereas he is... might own a go-kart or a laser tag place. Sure. 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 Um, which, I don't know, maybe that's... You know, I've I've never really understood exactly how good Saul is at his job because yeah. that was also the problem with his suggestions to you know suggesting the laser tag to Skyler and Walt. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 that's Walt's objection. We wouldn't buy laser and tag. Skyler's like the car wash. That makes perfect sense. Like, yeah, yeah. I, Saul is not exactly thinks through the human side of things because he assumes yeah. everyone's an amoral shark like himself. Sure. Um, I wonder if that's going to be a problem going forward with Break uh, Better Call Saul. Like, what? how do we get the basically good Jimmy McGill 
into the amoral shark that is. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot of people failing him numerous times. <sighs> it's, Kim's going to have to fail I'm him. I'm telling you, man, Better brother, Call Saul's going to get fucking dark. I mean, his brother's already failed him. Yeah, it's got to get real dark. What if he murders his brother? <laughs> or murders Kim. Feeds him through the chipper, like, like yeah. straight out of Fargo. All right, fuck it. Uh, the other thing I noticed is when Walt was cleaning the cleaning gear, yeah, uh, there's like a mark, and when he leaned forward, it looks like a bullet hole right in the middle of his forehead. Oh shit! Foreshadowing Gale, because that's exa- that's pretty much where Gale got shot, right between the eyes, uh, right in the face. How far into this season? We're nine, and there's only four more 13? episodes to go. I think it is. Maybe I think it's it deliberate is. foreshadowing. It might be. I don't know. That's that's pretty subtle. Yeah. Now I know that like there was a whole bunch of people that suggested that the Villigan wasn't exactly sure if Jesse was going to shoot Gale or not, um, and they like had like you know the trick. There's like a slightly weird camera move that they do when Jesse <laughs> sure. shoots him. But I know we that debated Vince that endlessly has been on record saying I did not intend any of that. We intended it to be. <laughs> you know shot in the face, shot in the face and then deal with the re- we ended it there just so you wouldn't know what the repercussions would be but the, we never meant to suggest that we'll leave it up in the air that gail got shot yeah so uh but anyway yeah that's what i had you have any observations because we got a couple uh we have a email uh no other than to say i hope that when jesse runs off to alaska he gets back into woodworking Oh, well, this is an excellent uh, seg into John G.'s email. Okay. Uh, John G., when he's not busy murdering uh, Guy Pierce's wife, uh, sends us emails in, and he says, In caballo sin nombre, the horse with no yeah. name, Jesse had his brilliantly understated F.U. moment to Ma and Pa Pinkman, and we never see them again for the entirety of the series. Is that mm-hmm. true? I think so. I thought we saw his brother somewhere. But either way, they certainly don't play any major role. Um, yeah. In Felina, when Jesse breaks free of the Nazi compound and definitively breaks good. Ooh, I don't know if he definitively breaks good. So much speculation was brought up regarding what Jesse would do with his freedom, usually dovetailing mm-hmm. into Brock and or Alaska. But what of his yeah. biological family? After everything he's been through, would he reconnect if not fully reconcile? Hmm. I was curious to get your thoughts and discussion regarding the fates of the Pinkman clan. So there's two questions here. Would Jesse, as he speeds off to the set of Need for Speed, mm-hmm. would he want to reconcile with his family? And again, we don't have to say he wants to do it right now. It could be a year or five years or ten. And then the other side of the coin is one of the reasons I don't think we ever saw his family again is because his family wants nothing to do with him. Yeah, I mean, they already wanted nothing to do with him, and then the house thing. Yeah, he stole like over, I mean, it could, potentially like a hundred thousand dollars from them. Essentially, I they said they, they had s- almost as much as he offered in the repairs. Yeah, in the the makeover, so multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think plus the mark if the market value of that house was a million dollars or whatever it yeah. is, then you know you're 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 proper fucked. Mm-hmm. So. So the first question, does Jesse ever come around with his parents? In light of that, probably not, no. But on the other hand, I could see him, yeah, because, well, I'm saying, like, does Jesse come around? Because on the one hand, Uh, he could think, I mean, being tortured by neo-Nazis and your girlfriend murdered and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. uh, orphaning your kind of adoptive, you know, quasi-son, 
that would be hard to forgive your parents because I imagine he could say like, you know, if you gave me another chance or if you were there for me or blah, 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 you know, I wouldn't also have make had you to go through stand that. back and take stock. I get and it. Ma- maybe understand that some of these problems are your own making. Is Jesse able to say and make that connection after all the things he's been through, though? It's a good question. Uh, he's certainly a more enlightened Jesse at that point. He's, One would he, hope, but he's also more da- even more damaged, which is hard to imagine. But he progressively gets more of the more and more yeah. damaged accumulated. I, I don't know, man. The speculation is always tough because who the hell knows? Twenty years after to Breaking me, Bad, he's like Mad Max and Road Warrior. He's like all twitchy and you know right. hyper vigilant, yeah. and there's no way he ever thinks to reconnect with his parents. Yeah. I'd, and then I think his parents, like if it's fifteen years and they never hear from him, and he shows up and he's you know, 35 and he's like clean cut and he's got a wife and kids. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. And Badger comes up and says, Hey man, we should start up twat hammer again. <laughs> Let me stay in your guest room. Fallacies. <laughs> yeah. I, he has one thing I forgot to mention, like two episodes ago when he, where was he? Uh, he was waiting to be picked up. Maybe it was at the hospital, but he started humming fallacies to himself. Oh yeah. That's like, that's a recurring thing. And this is like, anytime he gets kind of alone time, starts drumming his fingers, he starts humming fallacies. Yeah. Uh, which if you don't know, that's the, the twat hammer band song. It's video. like, it's one of the webisodes they released between season one and season two search for uh-huh. twat hammer online. And there'll be a, a funny YouTube video for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I don't think they ever bury that hatchet on either side. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, I have no idea what I, I have no idea what Jesse does post Breaking Bad. I've thought about it a lot, and yeah, I don't really care to think about it. You know, it's like, like Alaskan Drifter. I you think can speculate is, literally anything. Alaskan Drifter is what I keep coming back yes. to. Yeah, uh, like a Wolverine figure minus the adamantium claws and the bar fights. Okay, he just keeps him uh-huh. to himself, and he drifts from town to town, and probably mm-hmm. drinks a lot. Communes with nature. What does he do for cash? I, I think a woodworking is the perfect thing, right? Go up to Alaska, get some of that sweet, sweet Alaskan wood. Mm. Start woodworking business. Sure, sure. Maybe he joins within like Inuit tribe. Yeah, and and starts you know handcrafting kayaks and snowshoes mm, out and... of walrus bones. There you go. Perfect. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, Alaskan Wanderer is where, <laughs> what, what, what I keep coming back to. Yeah. Like an incredible Hulk set in Alaska with no superpowers. I keep on comparing him to Marvel superheroes. Mm-hmm. He's like a Magneto situation. <laughs> he's like a Thor, except it's yeah, not a rainbow not bridge. A God, it's an he's ice no hammer and, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like a Namor, the Submariner kind of situation. <laughs> Minus the winged heels and gills and shit. I don't even know if Submariner has gills. Anything else? Any no, more, man, uh... I'm spinning my wheels. Okay. Like, do you want me to recite the Marvel Encyclopedia? I could do that. Nope, I'm do just going to close my eyes, floor it, and end this podcast. Uh, yeah, breakinggoodatbaldmove.com and forums.baldmove.com if you want to give us feedback. And if not, we will see you next week for episode 310. Yep, see you then. Bye.